stars could shine between the lines if you would let yourself go find some place you know you can use your words use your hands you can change the world you just pretend express yourself take a chance and you'll see who you'll be it's time to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. I'm Andrea Smith, and happy Easter. Be the star you are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are so thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.org. Every dollar counts and we'll use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure you listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music. iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. We have an amazing show planned for you today, all about my favorite, the outdoors. In segment two, I will be interviewing Joanne Calabrese, the author of Growing Mindful Explorations in the Garden to Deepen Your Awareness. In segment three, I will be talking to you all about the outdoors and my personal experiences with nature. And right now, I'm so excited to read to you a chapter of Cynthia Bryan's book. Buy copies at www.cynthiabryan.com. Click on Star Style Store. All proceeds benefit Be The Star You Are and this program of Express Yourself. Digging Deep with Goddess Gardener, Cynthia Bryan. Hippity Hoppity Easter's On Its Way by Cynthia Bryan. It was Easter Sunday. The full blossom trees filled the air with fragrance and with joy. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, Spanish student. Blossoming fruit trees, poppies adorning hillsides, and daffodils illuminating walking paths. The sirens of the start of spring have sprung as seeding, seedlings pop through the soft soil and new green growth emerges on hedges 
trees, and vines. Uninvited wildlife visitors tend to hop, fly, scamper, and trot into our landscapes. Here comes Peter Cottontail hopping down the bunny trail, followed by the families of Bambi, Tom Turkey, and Squiggly Squirrel. A buffet feast awaits their arrival in our rose beds, perennial gardens, and vegetable patches. What is a human to do to protect our precious landscapes from invaders? Although repellents promise perimeter patrolling, I've not found any that completely protect my premises. As much as I admire these furry, feathered, and fluffy quote-unquote friends, I don't want them munching my flowers, foliage, sprouts, and shrubs. So how can we find a way for the realms of nature to coexist? Here are a few suggestions. Fencing is the most effective deterrent for deer and rabbits. Although the bunnies can't jump over a six-foot fence to keep deer out of our gardens, we need to erect nine-foot enclosures. Sadly, squirrels scurry from trees to fence rails. Turkeys fly over fences. Drive around your neighborhood and see what kind of plants are thriving. Consider using what grows well in your area. During dry months, some sprays may be effective, including liquid fence, which, according to the company, is natural, biodegradable, non-toxic, and safe for the environment, with rotten eggs being the main ingredient. Supposedly, wildlife can smell the stink up to two weeks after humans can no longer smell the stench. Sprinkle blood meal on flowers and foliage. The problem I've experienced with this method, however, is that it attracts raccoons and skunks. Not a winning suggestion. Unless you have fencing and or containment, avoid using plants that are known to be delicacies, such as roses, fruit, and leafy greens. If you plant tasty treats, the hungry nomads will find them. Before buying la large quantities of a plant, test the nibbling desire by buying a small container and placing it for two weeks in an area where the wildlife wander. Watch and wait. Buy more mature plants in larger containers. Plants that have abundant leaves can tolerate the nipping and gnawing better than smaller specimens. Taller plants are less susceptible to damage when lower leaves are eaten. They recover more swiftly. Don't overwater. The lusher the specimen, the more attractive it is for the dinner. Drought-resistant vegetation is less likely to be gobbled. Place pungent plants bordering areas that may be enticing. Mint, lantana, alisum, marigolds, geraniums, catnip, strawflower, salvia, and scented geraniums may deter the diners. 
employ the use of motion detector outdoor lights and motion sensor sprinklers to scare the thieves away. Build raised beds with removable wire tops. Yell and scream and chase the trespassers away to let them know they are not welcome. But sometimes they're so adorable, you'll want to snap some photos first. And don't intentionally feed the nature critters. When all else fails and you need help to trap the marauders, contact trapper Chris Davies of Full Bore Depredation LLC at 925-698-1845 at www.fullbore-lle.com. The insured company is licensed by the State of California Department of Fish and Wildlife to hunt and trap offending wildlife. Stems and leaves that are scratchy, thorny, hairy, fuzzy, bitter, spicy, sappy, stiff, leathery, or toxic will keep the predators away as they hunt for their next meal. Most varieties of gray or silver-hued plants are usually not appreciated by the hungry hunters either. No plants or trees are 100% animal-proof, but many are resistant. Do your homework to find the right plants for the correct place. Be diligent, be watchful, and experiment. The fragrance of spring fills the air, and exciting Easter is Nick. I'm hoping that Peter Cottontail comes hopping down the bunny trail, bringing baskets full of joy to every girl and boy, and mostly chocolate bunnies. Happy gardening, happy growing, happy Easter and Passover. Cynthia Bryant, the the goddess gardener, is available for hire to help you prepare for your spring garden. Raised in the vineyards of Napa County, Cynthia is a New York Times best-selling author, actor, radio personality, speaker, media, and writing coach, as well as the founder and executive director of Be The Star You Are, 501c3 literacy charity. Tune into Cynthia's Star Style radio broadcast at www.starstyleradio.com. Unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment. Continue listening for more as I interview Joanne in the next segment. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. 
Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello and welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm Andrea Smith and this show is all about the outdoors. In this segment, I'm so excited to be interviewing Joanne Calabrese, the author of Growing Mindful Explorations in the Garden to Deepen Your Awareness. She is a lifelong organic gardener and herbalist as well as a skilled wellness, mindfulness, and recovery educator. Her experience includes meditation, ritual, work, qigong, and tai chi. Her passion is sharing how these intersecting practices can lead to more connectedness and healing the world through workshops and coaching. She co-creates an urban backyard sanctuary in Denver, Colorado, where she lives with her dogs, Luna and Millie. We are so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Express Yourself, Joanne. Thanks, Andrea. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, so let's get right into it. I was so excited to be interviewing you because I'm a huge fan of the outdoors, and I was actually thinking about starting a garden myself and like being more involved in nature. And so what um, are some of the practices in growing mindful that contribute to a better world? Wow. I think just any mindfulness practice in, you know, any mindfulness practice can contribute to a better world in that it helps people to uh, manage their stress. It helps people to be centered, more relaxed. And so we would hope that would mean people then would step up in a way that they could engage with others in a positive way. But what I think that uh, garden mindfulness practices in particular carry with them is this idea of connectedness when we are really taking that time to sense the interconnection with the planet with the plants on the planet that make life possible for us, that it really shifts, I believe, the way that people interact with both the planet and with others and are going to, people are going to make decisions uh, that are more informed 
that are going to be the best decisions for the next generation and future generations and for all of the living entities on the planet. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that there is this disconnect like with like pe- like human society and nature and we forget that we real that we can't live without nature and like and just for mental well-being and like fulfillment, I feel like so much of it is found, at least for myself, in being with around nature. And I think that I recently watched a documentary about um, the human impact on oceans specifically. And I think that if we had more connection with like nature and through gardening, I think that we would be more mindful as well on how we treat our earth and our environment. And do you think that gardens are critical to our health and wellness now with the pandemic more than ever before? I, I think that's a big yes. I uh, have been a gardener my whole life. I grew up in a gardening family. And so it, it seems just, uh, just part of my life from childhood is just interwoven. So it's hard for me to imagine not gardening, but I'm sure you're probably aware that lots of people took up gardening during the pandemic. I think uh, some of it was motivated by they were kind of concerned about what they might not find at the grocery store and wanted to grow things. But I also think just focusing on something really positive to do. And I hope that all of those people continue to garden as the pandemic winds down, because I, I do think it contributes to this overall wellness for the planet, for sure. Yes, it's so funny you said that because my own parents actually got really into gardening during the uh, during quarantine. My dad became super obsessed with growing potatoes and just different vegetables, and he'd get so excited once they started growing, and we would like eat them afterwards, and they were so good. And um, now he's planning on expanding the garden and planting more things for like the next year. So it's like he really, really loves it. And I think Uh, that he finds grounding in it, like in gardening. It gives him like a sense of peace amidst like all of what's going on right now. Yeah, that's great. That's very, very cool. It's, It's so cool to eat something from your garden that you've harvested. It's just, I've never, I never get tired of that. I just love it. Yes. No, it's literally the best and it tastes so good. The potatoes were amazing. Yeah. (laughs) For you, why is gardening so meditative? Well, let me think about that. I, I think that the choice there's, there's a choice to be made. I, I think that being in nature and gardening can be just very centering and calming by itself because we know that nature heals. But I do think mindfulness is an intentional practice. So it's a step up to say, I am going to focus in an intentional way uh, if I'm weeding or I'm harvesting or, you know, putting uh, plants together so that I'm going to make tea. That there's an extra step there to say, I'm going to do this in a very intentional way and be aware of this plant that's given its energy to me. 
I'm going to be aware of all of the other energies that helped create it. I'm going to you know, have gratitude around that. So there is, I feel like, a, an extra step when we uh, do all of these things in a mindful way. Yeah, I think that's really interesting uh, in my the idea of mindfulness and really being aware of how you're and like really being aware of like what you're doing and how you're feeling in every moment and using gardening as a practice and really being mindful of everything um, to use that for personal growth. I think that's like really cool. And how and is that or what inspired you to write Growing Mindful? Well, again, been a gardener for back further than I can remember. And I, I started a meditation practice when I was in my early 20s, which is a long time ago right now. Uh, and over the years have, in addition to sitting meditation practice, have done other kinds of mindfulness practices like Tai Chi and Qigong. And at some point, and I don't exactly remember when, they just started to morph together that it, I became very aware that these intentional practices could be incorporated into gardening, which I loved. And in 2013, I started a blog where I was just writing basically for myself to see if other people were interested, but just sort of musings about this connection of the green world and gardens and mindfulness. And then that kind of shifted into the book. It just grew into the book. I love that. And how did you first integrate Tai Chi and Qigong with gardening? Like what made you first realize the connection? Oh gosh. Uh, both of those practices have a lot to do with energy and sensing energy, both within our bodies and that energy that's coming from the heavens, from earth. And so a lot of those practices uh, help us to tune into that. And again, when I notice this shift, well, I'm in the garden and there are energies in the garden. There's the wind, there's rain, there's sun. And really, as a good gardener, you are tuning into those energies all the time. You're paying attention to them. And so it, the connectedness of, of the practices just became really almost self-evident. It's like, oh, this is also a kind of sensing energy and then working with that positive energy. Wow, I find that so fascinating. And what are your own personal favorite mindful practices from your book? Well, it depends on the day, uh, but I I love the concepts of the treasure hunts, and I, I love the, that concept also because it's something fun I can do with um, kids. My kids are adults now, but with my grandkids, that you pick one or a few things that you are consciously going to pay attention to and look for, whether you're just out in the garden or you're going for a walk. And it gives your mind um, a focus. And if you're familiar at all with any kind of mindfulness practice, a lot of them have you focus on breath or possibly a, a mantra, a saying that you repeat over and over. So this practice helps you filter things through a specific uh, part of, of nature or the natural world that you're going to be 
searching for. And it might be red flowers, or it might be tree bark that's really interesting, or tree branches that are in the shape of the letter Y. Again, if you're with little kids, you want to make it really interesting and fun. But it's not limited just to children. It's for any of us, because I find right now the world kind of comes at us really fast and we carry around these phones that are always interrupting our thinking and, you know, what we're doing. So if we can give ourselves a focus when we're out there and just tune in, again, it's a way to, to really filter and to engage in a very positive way with the natural world. But I, I have to say the other one in the first section of my book that I love and I really want to recommend to people is the one around becoming background And that's a meditative practice where we sit and consciously envision ourselves possibly above the area or across from the area and see that we're just this one component in this energetic dance that's going on. Uh, I think sometimes, no, not sometimes, I'm sure that we do in this culture that humans think of themselves as kind of this pinnacle of creation and the whole rest of the world is here to serve us in some way. And I think if we can step back and see that we're part of the dance, and it's not just an intellectual practice, but to sit in a contemplative way and really sense it, notice what's happening, whether it's your garden or you're at a park, botanic gardens, just sit for a prolonged period of time and notice that we're not the center of the universe, that we are part of this this dance that's going on and it can be very profound yeah I find that so interesting I my friend actually was the one who introduced me first to the idea of mindfulness and meditation and we would go hiking to this nearby mountain and we would sit at the top and like I would kind of do what you were saying is just disassociate like kind of feel like I'm looking at everything from a third party perspective in a way. And it was just so relaxing and it just, it was the, it was so therapeutic to like really feel immersed with like the energies surrounding me and to really become one with nature. And it really made me realize like how beautiful our world is and how much like I normally take it for granted. And so I definitely will also be implementing the treasure hunting practice into my own like hiking experiences because I find that sometimes I get really distracted by different things. And so I think that would be like a really great technique in a way to center myself. And chapter three in your book is all about creative explorations. And I found that leaf rubbing so fascinating because as little kids, like we all love to do those things. So will you tell our audience how to do this? And these would make great like gifts and cards and etc. Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of people have an experience with leaf rubbing, you know, from from elementary school, we do it as an art project. Um, maybe we've done it with kids or grandkids. And then people will compartmentalize that and say, well, that's 
that's something you do as a child. And again, I think this tuning into the natural world, anything that's going to heighten our awareness and help our senses really tune in can be helpful. Uh, I love doing crafts, so I like doing things with my hands. So if you're somebody like that, it's a great practice to do too. So you find some interesting leaves, you collect them, thank the plant if you're harvesting them from the plant itself. And uh, you can use any kind of paper. You can kind of experiment with this. If the paper's too thin and the leaf is too thick, it, you know, it might tear. So you might have a little bit of experimenting to do. But basically, you put the leaf down and put the paper on top of it. And then you, you rub onto the paper with some sort of utensil. Crayons work really well. Uh, colored pencils can work depending on, again, the thickness of the paper. I really love, and I, I wrote about it in the book, uh, if you use black paper with a white colored pencil, that looks so cool as you are starting to see this the, the uh, veins and all of the components of the leaf just start to come through on the paper. So it's like manifesting uh, in a way, right in front of your eyes. And it really helps you to tune into uh, all of the, the little intricacies of the leaf, the little uh, crinkles, the wrinkles, all, all of that is going to become clear. And you can do this really slowly, you know, breathe as you're doing it, take time and really appreciate what's happening on the paper. So I really recommend that at not just for children, but for adults to try. And as you mentioned, uh, it, depending on the size, they can be made into greeting cards. They can be uh, gift tags, all kinds of things. Yes, I absolutely love crafts. So I was very drawn to that. And I'll definitely be doing it again with my friends. And oh, I also wanted... For you to tell us about making a garden mandala you wrote that a mandala is a circular design that assists with mindfulness and this sounds like a great creative project to enhance meditation yeah so this is a kind of movement meditation because you're moving through the garden as you're collecting pieces uh, to put together and um, the mandala is uh, a traditional kind of design, uh, but most cultures have circle designs where if you think about it, if you're sitting and you're looking at a circle, your eyes are drawn to the center. So in this design that you're going to create with plant materials, uh, you're going to think about creating it and there'll be a center, a central focus to it. So the first thing is to walk through the garden or the natural space and just collect what seems interesting to you. And they might be things that have, have uh, you know, seed pods that have fallen on the ground, leaves that have fallen on the ground. You might want to be harvesting from some plants. I have also done this in the winter in some mindfulness workshops where we've used vegetables that I did purchase from the store you know, carrots and beets and things like that, which is really fun as well. But taking the time to appreciate that these aren't just craft objects, but these were plants that somebody harvested, 
again, really tuning into that whole energy that's gone on that the earth is providing this for us. Once you have everything gathered, and you can either do this as a solitary practice or with friends, if you're doing it with friends, I really suggest that people do it silently so they can really tune in to what's being created and to that energy. And you map out a certain area that you want to do it in and then just begin to lay pieces, whether it's on a table or on the ground, and having people create this design together. And when you're done, and usually people have a feeling of the completeness. Again, if you're taking the time to do this in a meditative way, there's just a sense that it's it's done, that it looks finished. To not, I, I know in workshops, people want to rush and get their cameras. And what I've asked people to do is just be patient, wait, and look at the design. Be present with this this moment that people have come together to create with these natural products and to uh, really appreciate this moment before we race off and try to record the moment and post it on Facebook or wherever posting it. And, and that's fine. I know that people get excited about doing that and it's fine to do that. But I think to step back and appreciate the moment is also important. Yes, I completely agree with that. I think sometimes people get really caught up with just doing things to post on their social media. So, and that kind of takes away from the meaning of the whole experience. So, I think that's great advice to just, you know, at first just really enjoy the moment and take it all in um, before you just rush into technology and social media and that type of thing and in your and so what suggestions do you have for someone who does not have their own garden space well most of the I think almost all the activities in the book could be done without having your own garden space uh they're about connecting with the green world and so if you can get to a park a friend's garden botanic gardens and a forest area, you can do the practices. But I would say, if you would like to start gardening, that it's pretty easy now to uh, grow in pots. There are a lot of um, plants that have been bred to be smaller than, you know, what they were originally, so that people can grow things on patios that maybe you couldn't before. If you have a sunny window, you can grow herbs. So I would really encourage anybody who is interested to at least grow something, something small, because it's it's very rewarding. And it's this good reminder about how we're interconnected. And do you have a favorite plant that you like to grow? I have a lot of favorite plants, but I think, let me say... If I had to pick one today, I, I'm going to focus on clary sage because um, my dogs have tried to dig up my clary sage. <laughs> and it, it, well, it's, it's fenced off now, but that's been kind of funny. I don't, I don't know what it is about the one plant that's coming up, and I had to fence it off. Uh, clary sage is a biennial, and it has um, just this really unique fragrance that I love. And, of course, clary sage, one of the resonance 
or Clary Sage's clarity, which I think uh, I certainly value, and I feel like the planet needs a whole whole lot of. So uh, it's a it's a beautiful plant. It's a fragrant plant, and I think all of the fragrant plants really help us to be more mindful. You know, we brush up against them, and it it calls us to them, calls our attention. And your book has two unique parts. So can you tell me a little about each one and what connects the two parts? Sure. So the first part of the book is a whole range of mindfulness practices. So the kind of things we've been talking about, there's a lot to choose from. Some of them are very simple in a way or easy to implement, I would say. And then some of them are the meditations that are a little bit deeper And there's just a lot to choose from. The second part of the book is all about one specific mindfulness practice. And that's to take a plant and its correspondence and have that be your focal point for the week. Uh, There are 52 different plants that I write about. So again, somebody might want to pick one a day, but it is written uh, to do weekly. And I have ideas for how to connect with the plant and the resonance. You can do journal activities, other kinds of things. But to give you just an example of that, um, one of the plants that I write about is um, rosemary, which the resonance for that correspondence is ancestors. So to focus on what that means to me and how ideas information, intuition about the ancestors comes to me in that week. And I have a really broad definition of ancestors. Certainly we all have our, our specific, you know, um, genealogical ancestors, but I feel like all of humans are our ancestors. And so tuning into all of the gifts that they've given us, every invention that we have, uh, the fact that we garden at all, because humans weren't gardeners at the beginning. They, they were hunters and gatherers. So the people who began uh, really tuning into gardening as a specific practice and holding that awareness for the week with both the plant rosemary and this concept and being open to what comes to us. Because when we filter our awareness in that way, all kinds of synchronicities pop up. You'll start to see books about ancestors and maybe a documentary about ancestors. You'll be at a conversation at work and somebody brings up the ancestors. I have had all kinds of interesting things happen like that. So that last part of the book is the whole part is um, working with one plant and one concept a week in a meditative practice. I love your definition of ancestry and the idea that we're all connected. And in the book, you say that connectedness is a benefit of mindfulness. And can you explain that and why it might be important? I think that whenever we're doing the meditative practices and we we step back again a little bit from being the center of the universe we start to see more of our place in it. And so it leads to connectedness. And again, I do think that the garden mindfulness practices in particular do that. And when we are connected as we 
we talked about a little bit before, when we sense this connectedness, not as an intellectual kind of exercise, but we really viscerally sense that connection and connectedness, I do think that people are going to make better and different decisions about um, choices that we make as a culture, choices that we make as individuals at work, uh, in our neighborhoods, and I, I think that it can have some really positive uh, ramifications. And as we're wrapping up for today, what did you learn while writing this book and what surprised you? Wow. Well, so I thought that I knew a lot about the plants that I was writing about and, you know, I've grown a lot of them for many, many, many years. But when I was writing each uh, section, I would read more and I would delve into things. And I think for so many of the plants, I discovered things that I didn't know. Uh, one was around flax, which uh, is just this lovely little blue wildflower. And I've always known that linen is a fabric that's made from flax, but I never delved into it a lot. And as I started to read about the history of this process that humans have been using flax to turn into fabric for 19,000, 20,000 years, that was amazing to me to think about this time span. And uh, and it's, it's not an easy process. It's not an easy process to turn the plant into a fabric. So last year, I devoted a whole bed to flax. And I harvested it, and I've been making some fiber from flax, and it has given me this deep appreciation, again, for the ancestors, because I did it as a fun project, but our ancestors were doing it to clothe themselves. And it, it just kind of blew me away uh, how uh, time-consuming it is and their ingenuity in, in discovering this and making that happen. So that's just one example Wow, I that I find that so fascinating that um, that they use seeds to then or flax to like make clothes. I think that's so cool, and that seemed like such an amazing journey to write a book and then have it published. And I am, and I just as my final question is: there anything else? Um, you would like to say before we end this interview today? I think I would just say that, you know, connecting with the green world is simple, but it takes intention. It's not that hard to do, but we have to block out the distractions and actually see what's in front of us, hear what's in front of us, you know, touch a plant if it's, if it's something safe to touch. Um, inhale the fragrance, like take that time. And that's the intentionality part. And sometimes it feels that everybody seems too busy to do that. And yet the green world is what supports our life on the planet. So it's really important. Yes, I completely agree with that. I know that for myself, I will definitely try to be more intentional of whenever I'm out in nature to really be mindful and intentional of the practice. And um, I just think that you are an amazing person. I had such an amazing time 
talking to you today, but unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment. Be sure to purchase Joanne's book, Growing Mindful, at www.mindfulnessgardengames.com and follow her on Instagram at mindfulnessgardengames. You have been listening to Express Yourself. Show your love for more segments by donating to Be the Star You Are charity and keep listening for more in segment three. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The positive message outreach program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm Andrea Smith, and today's show is all about the outdoors. Today, I will be talking about my own personal experiences in nature and some of my favorite ways to spend time outdoors. But first, I want to talk about the health benefits of being outside because I think a lot of times we get so caught up in our daily lives and everything that we're doing, whether that be school, work, sports, whatever it is. And we really forget that as human beings, we were made to be outside and meant to be with nature. And so some of the health benefits include... It lowers your blood pressure and reduces stress. Spending time walking among or simply looking at trees lowers blood pressure and reduces the stress-related hormones, cortisol, and adrenaline. It also improves your mood. Researchers have found that nature simply makes us happy. Anxiety, depression, and anger are noticed notably decreased after spending time outdoors. It improves focus. Studies show that both adults and children who have difficulties focusing or controlling impulses are better able to concentrate after being in nature. 
the natural world allows our brains to take a break from all that mentally drains us and even reduces symptoms of ADHD. It also helps us heal quicker. Illness and surgery can be painful and frightening, which can increase stress and slow healing. However, researchers discovered that patients who spend time outdoors during their recovery required fewer painkillers, had fewer complications, and experienced shorter hospital stays. And finally, being outdoors supports graceful aging. According to a study done by the Journal of Aging and Health, Adults over 70 who spend times outdoors experience fewer sleep difficulties, complained less about aches and pains, and enjoyed improved mobility and ability to perform daily activities. So obviously, as we can see, being outdoors has a number of health benefits, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. I know that for myself, being outdoors has been such a rock in my life, really being able to ground me like in all the things that I do. Sometimes I get really stressed and overwhelmed with school, with friends, with my sports and other things. And whenever I spend time outdoors, I swear I could be having the worst day and then go outside, go swimming, and then leave feeling completely refreshed, feeling like a new person and in a much better and happier mood. And physically, whenever I exercise outside, I my body feels so much better. I feel way less tired and I also feel way less stressed. And all my life, I grew up in Southern California. So I'm a swimmer and I love, love, love the beach and the ocean. And I basically do everything that you could think of water related. I've done. (laughs) I've I go surfing every weekend. I also love to kayak. I also created what's called inflatable rafting. So I grab like a pool, a raft for kids that are made for the pool, like an inflatable raft. And I'd go out with my friend Bella and we would take two paddles and just paddle out into the ocean. And uh, we did have to get rescued a few times, but it's so therapeutic for my mind to just be in the ocean and just being surrounded by the energy the ocean has. I think it has just such a strong energy and such a calming and grounding presence. And I feel the same way when I go surfing. I like whenever I enter the water and I'm in the ocean's presence, I just, I, it's medicine for my brain, like literally, and I just cannot recommend it enough for anyone who lives near the beach. Uh, I just think that the ocean is such an amazing gift that we have here on earth. And I think that it's really important that we do everything we can to take care of it as well as enjoy it um, while we're living. And another thing that I love to do is hiking. I 
love to also meditate while hiking. And this is actually called forest bathing. It started as a Japanese practice called Shinrin Yoku. And Shinrin in Japanese means forest and Yoku means bath. So Shinrin Yoku means bathing in the forest atmosphere or taking in the forest through our senses. And so it's basically, it's very simple. It's just being in nature, connecting with it through our senses of sight, hearing, taste, smell, and touch. Shinrin Yoku is like a bridge. By opening our senses, it bridges the gap between us and the natural world. And I think that this is really important because never have we been so far from merging with the natural world and so divorced from nature. By 2050, 66% of the world's population is projected to live in cities. And according to a study sponsored by the Environmental Protection Agency, the average American spends 93% of his or her, her time indoors. And I just found this st- statistic like really sad because we are meant to be outside and are meant to jo- enjoy all of the earth's beauty and gifts. I feel like for myself in my own life, I never feel more fulfilled than when I do when I spend time outside. And I think it's so easy to be carried away with, uh, with what society expects from us, what our family expects from us, the roles that we have as a student, as a worker, as an employee, as an athlete. And that can really take a toll on us emotionally and physically. And I feel like in my own experience, whenever I make time to just go outside and be one with nature, I just feel instantly better. And I know that a lot of times we think, oh, I don't have time for this, or I don't have time to go outside. And But I think that if we make time for it and we intentionally make time for it in our days, that we do and that we must take make time for it. It's something that is so essential for our lives and for our mental well-being. We only live once in this world and it's a very short time that we have here. And so I think that it's really important to make the most out of it and do what makes us happy and makes us feel fulfilled. And I think being outside and being in nature is such an integral integral part of that. Um, But unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. Thank you for listening to Super Smart Sundays here on Express Yourself. Please support Be The Star You Are and find information on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs at bethestaryouare.org. Please consider a donation. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. 
I'm Andrea Smith, and as always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment Crew, especially our voice engineer, Josh. And thanks to our guests from across the world. And a huge thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. Be mindful, get into gardening, and happy Easter. And as always, enjoy the outdoors. Remember to speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine. Between the lines If you would let yourself